it's two o'clock and you hear the trippy music you know what time it is it's time here on mutiny radio for some call me tim all right here we are some call me tim talking about religion and stuff i have special guest raul suda hartson what's up hey awesome glad to have you in here we're gonna learn some new stuff today about what you believe in. Yes. Uh, we usually start by looking deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus. He's right behind you. Hey, Sparkle Jesus. And I ask, do you believe in Jesus? I do believe he was a person, and uh, he was a very persuasive, influential person. Um, do I believe he was magical? Kind of, not really, but... So not the son of God, but a good guy. But a good guy. A good guy. Cool. Uh, and so your belief system is not based off Jesus in any way? Uh, not the way I was grown, growing up. But my dad does believe in St. Anthony, which, um, like, he goes, so, like, that was kind of influential on me, but not really, like, the whole... St. Anthony, that's from Catholicism? I think so. He's the guy that held baby Jesus, I oh. guess, because my dad has a little figurine of him. Huh. So, yeah. Cool. <laughs> so, you... You were raised with this belief in St. Anthony, but you didn't, like, go to church or Bible school? Or I was raised was... Hindu. Oh! But, so there are lots of gods. Lots of gods, yeah. Like, is everyone a god? When you when you die, if you're a Hindu, do you become a god? I don't think so. Okay. I just... The only thing... I watched a thing of um, recently of people in India getting... Hindus getting cremated. Oh, and yeah. then getting their ashes pushed into the river because it flows into the Ganges and it's yeah. somehow magical river. Yeah, I'm not sure about like what's the afterlife belief that the Hindus got, but um, I'm sure there is something going on. Something, yeah. Reincarnation, I don't know. Do you, do you believe in an afterlife? Um, no, not no. really. So we're here on the earth, we're born, we move around and then we're dead, consciousness, boom, gone. Yep, basically like before you were born, yeah. Uh, do you find that depressing at all? That there's, I mean... I find it nice. Like, you can't have too much life. Like, eternity is, like, a lot. It's a lot. Right, so you wouldn't be into vampirism. Like, if somebody... You wouldn't want to do the whole live forever, be a zombie, be a vampire, nah, nah, magic not a fan sparkle. of that. No. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if I'd want to live forever. Like, if it's Probably. nice... Would you? Would you? Like, this life or, like, a cooler, nicer afterlife? Well, I think that this life is pretty cool right now. Yeah, you like, can get a lot more stuff done. Yeah, I forever. Mean, afterlife. I don't know. So you've <laughs> got this thing that you believe in. You have a, a video. Yes. Before we do the video, do you want to kind of explain, like, the history and, and why this is sort of your, what you think about and what, why you believe this and well i'll like around when i was 16 i came across this video my old boss showed it to me and it's been like pretty big in my belief system i'm not i'm kind of skeptical about it now it's basically simulation theory uh which is um like the belief that uh we are on a holographic projection oh of reality and like you know Round Earth, flat Earth. What about holographic Earth? You know. Yeah, all of this is a construct. Construct. None of it is real. There's something that's yes, that's control. Like, like it kind of goes against the Big Bang theory and everything. Uh. 
but um like there, there's obviously flaws in the argument but it like stems a lot of like for a long time i really liked this school of thought here and um so this video is like both entertaining and educational and uh yeah i'm a big fan of this guy he plays call of duty and uh talks about philosophy and stuff wow this is great and, well, and Call of Duty is such a violent game. Yes, and he uses the example of Call of Duty in the video, too. Wow. <laughs> I have a Call of Duty joke. Ooh. Yeah. Maybe after, well, maybe I'll tell you my joke. Jo should we watch it now, or do you want to explain a little bit more about it? Do you play Call of Duty? No. I, do you play video games? I, like at my friend's house, I never was a big video game yeah, guy. So it's not, so this isn't, you aren't into this because you're like, Call of Duty, it's because of the philosophy that he's discussing while yeah. he's playing the game. And Simulation 3 has been like picking up like in uh, like popular culture and everything. Like you see like jokes about, oh, the simulation's glitching or something. With the Matrix, the red pill, the blue pill, you yeah. wake up and then yeah. you, you're, in a, you're, a, you're in a pod like yeah. being energy for some alien beings. Yeah. Yeah. But this was like, I, I got into this before everyone, like before the hype over simulation theory. I'm a fucking simulation theory hipster. I'm kidding. Yeah. How, <laughs> well, how old are you? You said you've been watching this. Oh, uh, I'm 19. Oh, what? What? <laughs> wow. Wow. I had no idea. <laughs> you've come to comedy so early. That's great. Yeah, it's great. I don't have much to, much life to talk about, but it's fucking, it's good. It's good. You've got simu but if simulation theory, you can simulate anything, make anything you want <laughs> yeah. up and believe it. Hell yeah. So should I play yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, play it. We can talk over it too. Okay, we can cool. discuss it while it's happening. Notions about oh, you have to put headphones on. and oh. the very universe around you. Now I know you think it's real, and I know you think it's three-dimensional. But what does science have to say about that? How about we take everything you believe and blow it the fuck up like, like a big, big white truck? Now let's take a look at the standard scientific model of the universe. Everything, time, space, energy, and matter was created at one moment in time known as the Big Bang. Now you cannot ask what happened before the Big Bang, because time was created at that very moment, so there was no before the Big Bang. Huh. And you sure as hell can't say, well what in the universe made the universe, because everything in the universe was made at that moment. But Newton's laws of motion state that every action has an equal and opposite reaction, meaning that something has to cause something to happen. Fire doesn't happen without a spark, and smoke doesn't happen without fire. And a camper doesn't camp unless two single parents on drugs raise a pussy to play Modern Warfare 3. In other words, everything needs a catalyst for Get it to campers. happen. So what made the universe explode if there was no time or space for that catalyst to exist within? This little conundrum is the reason why Einstein and the majority of his peers refuse to accept the Big Bang model, because it means something that transcends space, time, energy, and matter somehow created reality and the universe around you. Now think about that. Everything in your reality became a thing at a time when there was no things and there was no time. And although there's a small handful of theoretical physicists demanding this is possible due to the laws of quantum mechanics, there's a whole bunch of others who say, uh-uh, we got it wrong. Whoever you side with, it doesn't matter because science right now is testing to see if we live in a hologram. And what do I mean by a hologram? I mean that everything around you may not be three-dimensional. It might actually be a projection from the outside of space on a two-dimensional field outside your reality. And as crazy as that sounds, within science today, there's a lot of recent discoveries supporting that theory. So for a brief moment of time, let's put everything you believe aside and take a look at recent science. In 1982, a physicist known as Elaine 
aspect out of the University of Paris discovers that certain particles can communicate with each other instantaneously, regardless of the space between them. This Whoa. directly goes against Einstein's law that information can't travel faster than light, and suggests that space as we know it is an illusion. This leads David Bohm, one of the world's most critically acclaimed scientific minds in quantum mechanics, to say that reality doesn't exist at all. Moving forward to the 1990s, father of string theory and one of my biggest heroes, Leonard Susskind, working beside the Nobel Prize winner Gerald T. Hoof, both mathematically argue that our three-dimensional reality is really a two-dimensional projection from the outside rim of the universe. Susskind says that once we're able to look at one plank of a level of space, that we will be able to see a holographic hum or haze that will give evidence of a holographic reality. In January of 2009, the GEO 600, the world's most sensitive gravity gravitational detector in the world discovers such noise, leading physicist Craig Hogan of Fermilab to say that this indeed supports the holographic principle. Moving on, 2012, yeah. April, mm -hmm. Professor James Gates of the University of Maryland discovers within string theory and the foundations of reality a coded computer language invented in the 40s by a programmer known as Claude Shannon. 2012, October, Professor Silas Bean and his colleagues believe they find evidence for the framework or lattice that all reality hangs on by observing cosmic rays that enter our atmosphere. Whew. We're not even done. <laughs> I mean, I know you just witnessed me drop a predator on that motherfucker getting us the victory and giving me a score of 22-2. But still, we haven't even touched Nick Bostrom's simulation argument. So let's just rewind all this and keep going. Guy. Is the universe real? Is reality real? I'm not sure how I feel. Can you help me, Mr. Sip, get a grip as I slip on the theoretical banana peel? <laughs> Am I just a projection from a field of two dimensions, an invention like the wheel? How can I be sure I'm real? Nick Bostrom, the super cool professor from Oxford University and award-winning philosopher, argues that there is a high probability that we exist within a computer simulation. He presents this argument in his 2003 paper, The Simulation Argument. Within this argument, he allows an equal probability to three possibilities. Possibility number one, all species within the universe that achieve technological maturity end up destroying themselves before they could make simulations of the universe. Possibility number two, all species within the universe that are able to create simulations of the universe for some reason or another decide not to. And of course, possibility number three, you more than likely, without a doubt, live within a computer simulation. What he's trying to argue is, if there is at least one planet in the entire universe technologically advanced enough to make a video game as complex as the universe, which there probably is, you are probably in one of these video games. And I can hear you now. Mr. Sip, how does that even make sense? Well, it's these two little things called logic and math. And before you start to laugh, why don't we try to grasp the logical path of that math? First, let's look at the fact that most computer engineers believe that we're pretty close to making such simulations ourselves. Some say it'll be achieved in the next 10 years. Some say it'll be done in the next 500. Any way you look at it, that's a small drop of time in a big fucking bucket of time. Nothing more than a cosmological blink of an eye. Now consider how many species out there are 1,000 to 1 million to 1 billion years more advanced than we are technologically. And now ask yourself, how many individual simulations are they creating? To better understand this question, let's use Modern Warfare 3 as an example. Within the first 24 hours of Modern Warfare's release, it sold 6.5 million copies in America alone. 
That's one simulation on one planet within one day. Now remove yourself from this planet and start thinking universally. How many simulations exist in this universe right now advanced enough to be confused with reality by the players within it? If there is life in outer space more advanced than we are, then you are possibly looking at hundreds of trillions of trillions of trillions of trillions of trillions of simulations. And that is highly likely. In fact, Nick Bostrom argues the only way to counteract the mathematical probability of this actually happening is saying that anybody who is technologically advanced to make these simulations decides not to or dies before they can. But if just one species on one planet in our entire universe is technologically advanced enough to make these simulations, chances are you're in one right now. Just do the math yourself. A hundred trillion simulations out in the middle of the universe, what's the chance you're in the real universe? Back to yeah, Modern Warfare argument. 3. Modern Warfare 3 has reportedly sold more than 20 million copies. If it was advanced enough to be confused with real reality, you would have a 1 in 20 million chance of being in the real universe. So in other words, if there are trillions of programmed realities in our universe right now, well then you have almost a zero chance of being in a real universe and a very likely chance of being in a simulated reality. Hey, don't blame me. I didn't program the universe. I'm just fucking killing campers in it. Thanks for watching. See you next time. Wow. <laughs> wow. Now, here's the thing, though. If we're in a simulation, what about all the carbon footprint stuff? And what about all the emissions? And what about, like, that the global warming? I guess that's all programmed part of the universe. Like, it's so complex that um, it's, like, all, everything you see is holographic and everything you experience like uh think of it like you're the player and the entire universe is rendered around you so like uh global warming could uh just be part of your experience and, but then uh, how are we all how are we we're all experiencing together some other reality yeah the yeah that's, there's a programmed reality that we're all somehow taking part of like it's so vast yeah, there's multiple like consciousnesses interacting together. I guess like that's a argument against it, but um, like how do you know what you're experiencing in front of you is real? But then right, especially when you're playing a game, when well, especially if you play a lot of computer games, you spend a lot of time in the screen or in like the internet is a place. Yeah, like that's a place now. Like that's a reality, a place. It's not real, mm -hmm. but it is real, and it exists. And, and it affects people a lot, too. Like, there's people that, like, commit suicide because of fucking Facebook shit, right? Yeah. So even though it's not a reality, it's still kind of real. But could everything truly be a simulation? It's one of the possibilities. And, like, the who he talks about, Nick Bostrom, like, he's more of, like, the philosopher kind of guy. And he talks about, like, um, um, super intelligence with just, like, creating artificial intelligence, like, so real that um it mimics the human mind and he has the book about that and uh yeah it's, he's been recommended by like bill gates and elon musk and all that wow. kind of stuff but um like that's kind of a derivative of the whole simulation argument um just because um like your reality like we're a, right now so close to creating the artificial intelligence like what right. if we are the artificial intelligence and Right. What and if like, cats are the real intelligence? Yeah. And we're the. 
you know, and that's the thing too, I think about a lot that humans, we've created this language that we understand, but dolphins speak to each other too. Yeah. We just don't understand them, but maybe they're the more highly evolved creatures. Yeah, you could like, we don't know what's going on in the sea, I guess. Because, well, because we don't speak whale or whatever, yeah. or, or dolphin or whatever language, or we haven't made a translator. Like I'm, my mind's kind of blown that we don't have like a dog translator yet. Yeah. Like that movie up where all the dogs talk yeah. <laughs> squirrel, squirrel or whatever. Like why haven't we figured out a way to like literally communicate with the other beings on our planet? Maybe they are so while they don't need language like they communicate to like touch my cat like you know like he he knows like when food is here he he knows how to communicate to humans oh, yeah. pretty well so yeah so, <laughs> well, yeah no i mean but i'd like to, i'd really like to communicate with the cat yeah and that's the other thing is if we look at all the languages on the earth and we still as humans haven't been able we haven't been able to figure out like a universal language maybe the universal language is code is like zero one is this reality yeah. that we've created for ourselves i think eventually google we're going to come to that just so. i would hope so yeah. i mean i guess google translate is kind of enough i know a guy who got married to a chinese lady and they only speak through google translate ah and and they've been married for like three years now yeah. You'd Isn't think that crazy? You picked up Chinese. Yeah. You'd think that someone would pick up the language on either end. Like, come on. Are they living here? Or? Yeah, yeah. They live here in San yeah. Francisco. And, and they've been married for like three years and they only, they talk to each other through Google Translate. <laughs> so they like say something and then press it and then it goes into the other person's language. <laughs> and that's how, which is like, all right, I guess. I mean, you got a translator and a husband in the same deal. So. I'm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So who the fuck knows? That's what's left on the screen. So what would you if if we create a reality and we're part of a simulation? What would you what would you want your perfect simulation to be? What would be like the ultimate simulation? The ultimate simulation? I feel like it like improving like this one. The our reality would be kind of dangerous because there could be it is possible, but um, I don't know. What would the perfect world? be yeah. you know uh where like everyone is born a good person and everyone's altruistic and everything which is are, still are here peop- i think people are born good people yeah yeah are they and then it's experiences that make them bad or are people intrinsically bad like are humans intrinsically selfish and greedy little motherfuckers i think we're evolved to like the reason the human race has survived for so long is because uh, they've developed like altruism at birth and that's like a genetic thing and then I guess it's the experiences that make them bad because otherwise the human race wouldn't have been around if everyone is born if everyone evil. was born bad yeah well and, and that's the thing is that when uh, the concept of evil is just a human idea yeah. we put on it and and because we say well selfishness is bad but selfishness is actually sort of preservational like it, yeah. you have to be sort of selfish so you need that perfect balance of that yeah how do you know like and i i mean i've seen some selfish little kids <laughs> and they, all they do is want and need and you're like ah but then if you don't fulfill their needs and they don't feel safe then they become bad well, they become, I don't know, not as caring to others. Yeah. Like maybe that's the, like, how do we create a world where people care about the people around them? I, Is that important? I should be, I guess. I mean, 
but the right now doesn't it seem like i mean how many is there a flip side to it where like it could be bad to where people are so caring that <laughs> they I just mean, like, well but the human race dies out but from being isn't that isn't that the fear of why why are people afraid of communism and socialism why yeah, are people yeah. afraid of like being more group minded and thinking more about others like what's so weird I mean like I've seen pictures of the 50s of kids holding signs that say kill a commie for Christ and it's like what is the but Jesus was kind of a communist like he believed in sharing and feeding everyone like and but that's how influential like the whole capitalism and everything mm. could be with like the McCarthy guy telling people like it's cool to kill commies and right instead right. of like we and managed we to like we suppress killed. it for so long but communism is good because that's helping everybody so then why why do we not I guess maybe it's Americans don't want to help people or is it I, I heard like communism humans? is bad uh, um, I heard communism because like it's because of people's greed like mm-hmm. it can't work because of people's greed and inherent nature so there's that part of humans too so like like if everyone was perfect then communism would work but then right. because people are greedy it doesn't well and then it's I mean in greed it's just like how many of your needs need to be met like I was taught a while back that fair is not equal fair is what everybody needs and some people need more yeah and so but then also how do you teach people like I've seen some really selfish kids though this is this is a very um this is gonna be kind of an edgy sort of comment but go for it I've been uh I have dealt with dealt dealt is the wrong word let's not stigmatize people (laughs) I have interacted with many people on the spectrum Mm. uh on the uh, autistic spectrum for many different years and what I'm learning now is that there's a group who are in there they're like sort of like millennials but they're <laughs> millennials who also um, are on the spectrum and sometimes they're really entitled assholes because yeah. because they were raised here in the United States where during all this time we've really been changing and being more accepting and bringing and and having like yeah. giving people what they need and so they really need a lot all the time and it's like you're an adult now yeah. like when you were a kid I, mean, I used to teach special ed when mm. kids I've got ultimate patience and I'm totally fine with it but now I'm like de- interacting with some adults on the spectrum and I'm like it doesn't matter that you're on the spectrum you're just an asshole so there's like this I don't know. And then, it, but maybe I'm thinking they're an asshole because they need so much. Uh, it could be like, you. Uh, that's the, the maybe asshole. I'm the maybe asshole. You're the asshole. <laughs> I think, I think I'm the asshole. That's what usually it comes down to. I'm like the accidental racist. In the <laughs> but I'm trying, I mean, and that's the thing I'm trying. Are, are we all trying? Tell how, how hard do you try to get along with your fellow man, woman? My, I, I feel like I, I do a, a decent job. Like I'm not, I don't try to hurt people. Mm. Yeah. Like, I, like, but then, like, there's also, like, you're not giving too much of yourself. And uh, so it's, you got to find that balance. Well, and you're so, so young. Are you in school? Uh, yeah, I go to school. Where, where do you go to school? Uh, Ohlone College. Shout cool. out to Ohlone College. All right. Fremont. Mm. Fremont, right on. <laughs> and what are you studying? Uh, computer science. And wow, you're going to make money someday. Yeah. Yay. I can move to San Francisco. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good to, but that's funny because that's an assimilation too. I've been kind of funny about, I don't really like computers. I'm a Luddite and I don't like where, where we're going with everybody looking at screens and disconnecting yeah. from people. But, and it's like we're creating products that aren't 
real? Like the internet isn't real, but everyone's spending more time there and interact or interacting with it more. And what happens when the power goes out? Yeah, like we like, like I guess we're just assuming that it's never going to go out like that will always have power. Because I feel like there's going to be some sun flare or some weird thing and then there's going to be no power and I'm going to be like hippies, we've got it. <laughs> I, can, I can make a fire, I can murder a pigeon, I'm going to live. But like everyone else just fucking dies out. Right. Well, and it's those jobs where like what are you actually making when you're writing code? You're creating a simulation. You're getting paid to which is very important to everyone right now. There seems to be a lot of money yeah. in it. It's very important. But for me, I'm like, I'm so disengaged with that. Like, I don't have a smartphone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's smart It's smart to do that. But like, yeah. But um, you're not going to make it. I'm like, I'm like old school where I'm like, get a stick and whittle it into like a toy. Or, yeah. you know, like make a product that's real. And it's, you're making you're making something imaginary, but it's real. Like that's sort of a mind fuck for me. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like at one at one point is like it going too far. Like you're just simulating everything around you. And um, what do you think about Second Life? Second Life? What's, you heard about Second Life? I have not. <gasps> oh my god, Second Life is this. Thing oh, it's the game where you hold. Yeah, that's where that's you like crazy. buy things and build houses and wear yeah. weird clothes. There was a girl at Amnesia back when it used to be an open and everything open mic instead mm-hmm. of on Tuesdays. It's a great show uh, for comedy. But um, it used to be an open mic years and years ago. And there was a girl who got up on stage with her guitar. And she was like, I know there's only 17 people here right now. But there's 300 <laughs> people listening live and interacting <laughs> on Second Life. And this is for them. And I guess they all paid her in Second Life to ah. perform in Second Life. But she was performing in real life for Second Life. That's trippy. It was weird. It was, that was just <laughs> like, dude, what? But people like... Like, fuck those 17 people. I'm yeah, <laughs> fuck the 17 people who are actually here live interacting with me. This is for the 300 people online. But that's just so funny to me that people can live a whole existence just like in Call of Duty. You're talking to people. You've got headsets on. You're talking to others. You're... You're interacting in another world yeah. that's a simulation that you're literally interacting in. And there's a bunch of those. And I guess that's why there's more push towards like um, like apps telling you to go meet people mm. and uh, trying to revert back to like... <laughs> My phone told me I had to talk to someone. Yeah. Good work if, uh, you know, you completely follow what your phone is saying which is very bad well i know well who i mean and there's so many ads and there's so much stuff there's just all of this input and like what is that input doing like is it serving you or is it serving some bigger you have no idea yeah yeah (laughs) i always find it funny on the side of i only do facebook just because you need it for comedy yeah and i also don't understand any other platforms because i'm an old lady (laughs) um but you know it puts the ads on the side and sometimes it'll give me ads for christian mingle which is really funny because i say fuck jesus a lot (laughs) but i think that the algorithms got it here's jesus and then it goes jesus and it says the word fuck and it's like ah christian mingle i want to fuck a jesus man yeah (laughs) and then sometimes i get ads for like bullet bourbon and it's like 1999 delivered to your door i'm like oh shit that's kind of that's cool thank you computers thanks computer (laughs) tell me to go to the store and buy some more bullet but um i i don't know i don't i try not to engage in screens because i i feel like as we were talking earlier we are a collection of our experiences and the more experiences we have 
online or with a screen and it can't not replace. with a person. Well, I'm fa- people that FaceTime all the time. I'm like, <laughs> I, what? What? Like, I see kids now on the bus, like talking to people with the phone. Like they're FaceTiming on the bus. Like, why would you do that? Like, <laughs> like maybe if maybe if I lived in another country and I was like, someone was FaceTiming me and they were showing me like, look, I'm in Paris and this is this stuff and look, like this is my life in Paris. That might be kind of interesting to to me, but. But then it turns out they're just FaceTiming the guy they're about to go meet. Right. And it's like, what are you? I can't. I, I just, I don't understand it. The future is now. And I'm, I'm, I'm bewildered as to how, like, this, is this the future? And it seems very scary to me that, I don't know, we keep disconnecting from people. And we keep, we're, we're, there's more of us, but we're farther apart. Do you live with your parents still? Yes, I do. Oh, good for you. <laughs> good for you. Hey, did you grow up in the Bay Area? I did. I grew up in Newark, near Fremont. And All right. Yeah, I, yeah. It's a, it's a nice Bay Area. Is like the best way to get raised in tech, I guess, with everything around you. Sure. And, and uh, work for Facebook someday. <laughs> or Twitter. But yeah, there's whatever. like downsides to it, and um, you see like everyone like on the Snapchats and everything, and then just I don't, the, I've never Snapchatted. I don't understand it. I don't either. <laughs> I know, but ten seconds of yeah, stuff, that gets kind of scary. Well, it's like it's it's only for dick pics, right? Like what it's what else is the point? Ten seconds, you make a video, and then it disappears. Like there's there's yeah, no there's, other reason except to like I don't know show people your boobs I don't, know. I don't know what do you do I don't know just snap what do you snapchat for do you have you have you internet dated ever no just, no eventually, like I'm, that's that's kind of like too futury for me mm. it's just like just meet girls at school yeah. yeah there you go I'm in school I could figure yeah, that out, out. Um, what brought you to comedy uh, what did bring me to comedy uh, well one of the person you know, Alex Woody. I don't know if you've heard oh, of him. Uh-huh, he did your uh-huh. show. Yeah. Yes, I know he, Alex Woody. Yeah, he. Uh, I, I did. Um, I was on the college uh, radio uh, station, like doing that, and I met him in class. And he's like, he told me like, hey, I do pot, I do a podcast, and I do stand up. And I was like, I've always wanted to do stand up, and um, so I just started. I went to an open mic. My first open mic was AU Lounge. And in Oakland, in Oakland, yeah, and, Larry Dorsey, yeah, yeah, those guys are great. Quitemok, I love those guys. And it didn't go well, but yeah, I kept at it. And like, I thought, how like, did it feel? What did you go in with your first time? Did you have I didn't five I, punchlines? Did you have a story? What did you go in with? Whatever I wrote down, like an hour before. Oh yeah, I have no idea. Like none of those, none of that material carried over to right now six months later sure but uh, i thought like radio bits would like carry over to um comedy like you know you do the bits like a bit in between songs or whatever sure but um it did not because like, you're in front of people and you gotta do that so right. uh, do yeah. you not like does that make you uncomfortable or do you feel weird in front of people do you, i do does it make you nervous so you have a little stage fright yeah really i never was like a theater guy or was um and yeah, I've never been a public speaking guy. I just wanted to write jokes, I guess. Okay. <laughs> and so your first time though, you felt like, did you, did you get a couple laughs? Did you, what, I think I got a, a, a few. I got a, yeah. yeah. Sometimes people don't laugh at all at me and I'm, but as long as they're looking at me because I come from poetry, mm. I feel like I win. Do you ever get missed the snaps that you get or? 
missed the snaps. You know, oh, from poetry, the yeah. snapping. No, they I feel like that's yeah, a cool feeling to have. Sure. No, they, <laughs> I like the clapping better, which yeah. is why I moved to comedy. Because it's like, but honestly, if people are staring at you and they're not on their phone and they're not ordering a drink and they're looking at you, that's a win. Yeah. Because at least they're engaged. Yeah. I mean, and some comedians like, you know, remember Bill Hicks, he said all kinds of important things that were lambasting the government and it wasn't necessarily funny. He was just yeah. making an important point and um, so that there's that part of it too. Mm-hmm. So do you remember the first joke you ever told? What was the first joke I ever told? Um, I don't. <laughs> really? What was it? Oh shit, I'm blanking. This I don't funny. know. Hey. I don't want to remember it. Yeah, it was no, not it was, funny. It was, it was not it, funny. It wasn't. It didn't work out for it. What was your Call of Duty joke, by the way? Oh, okay. So, um, I I have a boyfriend. I've been trying to be the perfect girlfriend, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm and he's so he's just so great, and I I suck so badly. So <laughs> I, I decided. Well, I decided to suck as cock while he was playing Call of Duty. Mm. And before you give me like the best girlfriend sash award, um, it's only like a seven minute game, so it wasn't like that uh, big of an okay. investment. But so we're 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 in the middle of it, and he realized. Uh, halfway through that he could not sustain his attentions adequately on both tasks Ooh. and he had to choose call of duty or call of booty <laughs> what what would you choose oh. i never was a gamer so i just had i'd have to go call so of booty you go call it see no he chose he went with call of duty he chose the first person shooter game i just wanted you can't him, pause those games though so that, well i, I just know. wanted him to shoot me in the face <laughs> and, and the only person he wants to shoot in the face is a 12 year old boy who lives in korea uh, Come on, you guys, let's get these campers. <laughs> and then uh, we, you know, we we're, we're just so vanilla. And he was like, "Hey, let's talk dirty." And I was like, "Yeah, let's talk dirty." I don't know what. What are you gonna? He's like, "I don't know what to say." I said, "Put that headset on," because I've heard what you say to those twelve-year-old boys in Korea. Uh, I'm gonna put this gun in your pussy mouth. Say that to me. <laughs> what does that mean? Okay, so that's my whole Call of Duty. Joke. It has a couple tags, and it goes on. I got it's, you. Yeah, it's a crowd pleaser. People like it, especially okay. if they play video games. And I do the camper reference so they're like oh sure. do you get them to choose how much do, do i do i make choose? them i make people choose and i have an answer for either way so if when they say call of duty i'm like good for you no he chose a first person shooter game but if they chose and i'll be like yeah yep you choose the first person shooter game so did he and i just wanted <laughs> him to shoot me in the face <laughs> um and then i go on but it's a cute little crowd interaction and yeah. it always gets it always gets a laugh and not that I try not to do as a as a feminist. I try not to do too many dick jokes, but mm. also people like dick jokes. Yeah, like it's kind of like I try to be really political, but then I also have to shove in jokes where I know, like I've shove got jokes, <laughs> shove in. Yeah, like I've got the summer camp balls joke that's about balls in your mouth. I've got a couple things where I like talk about feminism, and then I, and then I turn the corner and say something really like misogynistic and terrible about like sucking dicks rah, rah, rah. we've come but, to political dick jokes though that's that's very possible in this uh, yes age. oh my god <laughs> yeah it's it's like that's like shooting fish in a barrel have you do you do any political i haven't heard you do like stuff i about. think i did an abortion joke oh, on your good. show yeah I good think. abortion jokes those are great yeah no i love them do more of those it's important <laughs> yeah like, it's important you have a voice you know if you're a comic you you have a voice and you're going to say something and i think that during this political climb it's best to speak your truth and we still have free speech so like let's do that and and i and i get it like i could get up on stage and just do a bunch of sex jokes and be like la, la, la. <laughs> but i i i personally feel like i, I need I have to say I have to say something mm. about what's happening right now because the fucking Germans didn't know 
they didn't all know that Hitler was a bad guy. They were just Germans. Like, yeah. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, what the fuck happened? And I feel like the same thing's happening. with Ooh, just like pre, huh? yeah. Like, I mean, you're a brown person. Do you feel subjugated since his... I live in the Bay Area, so I'm like completely fine. You're fine. <laughs> if okay. I was, if I was like somewhere else, I'd like my parents warned me like, if you go to Boston, you're gonna not do that great. And it's like, no, they're kind of like keeping really? me at home. It's like, I don't know. Why? What, I don't. I'm why do you want to go to Boston? Boston's a great place. I know a lot of comedians in Boston. It's a really good that, comedy scene. Yeah, that's just they, no. That's just their. Um, uh, that's just their. Uh, city their go-to city oh, for like scaring me <laughs> oh, okay for scaring you about the world yeah yeah when do you what's your plan on that how long do you think you want to live with your parents or when do you want to do you have like a you're gonna all the way through college and then sort of get a job and wait or what's your, uh, do you have like a five-year plan i transfer to school i'm applying to transfer to some school um in the fall cool so like next about next year i'd figure out where i'm going and I'd go to college and then wherever college comedy works out and then they feel like it's a good plan just do you want to stay in san francisco or do you want to because you can go to college anywhere in california i mean you live I, here so you go to any uc school you wanted yeah i mean like the ideal thing is like staying at home because like i don't want to i don't want to pay to to the living like my but the dorm experience is so i don't think i get it to- yeah yeah but like i get like it's like it's not a dorm when i transfer over i'll be a junior so it'll be like a some house or something and then it's right you could still live on campus though i mean i guess yeah Yeah. and that's the thing about the bay areas so when when i went to college when i moved off campus in my first house my room was 197 a month oh in san diego Uh, in san diego in 1994 my rent was 197 a month i was negative six years old then Ah. (laughs) yeah my my parents gave me $300 $300 a month. So it was a, it was 197 for rent. Their cell phones didn't exist back then, so I didn't mm-hmm. have that. Um, and I had some bills and even even the internet was it was like this. Dang 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 dang. The dial-up internet. Yeah, oh. dial-up fucking <laughs> dial-up fucking stuff. It was crazy. Um, and things were things were cheap. So yeah, so I had $103 a month for food. And it was 197 for my rent, and that's what my parents gave me every month when I was in college. And they paid for my tuition. I was very lucky, mm-hmm. but things were cheaper back then. And yeah, I'd, I'd spend all my money. It was funny. I spend all my money on drugs and alcohol, and then <laughs> I'd find ways to like. I'd have to. One of my things, I'd be like, "Hey, you've got food in your house. You don't want to cook it. I'll come over and cook your food if I can eat." Ah. And so I'd go over and cook for friends, and then do their dishes. Just that's, to is eat. that how you became like the chef? And you were talking about it earlier. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I've always, you I've always, always I've always cooked. Okay. I've always made, I've always been a baker and made cookies. And, yeah. and when I got to college, I was like, oh, I have a kitchen and, and that's fun. And to be able to cook for people and they're like, wow, that's really, but also it was like, I had to figure out a way to eat for free because I was, I, I that was like, when I was your age, mm. I was just drinking so much mm. in college. So it might be good that you're staying at home and like not. I mean, yeah, like I, I'm uh It's okay, you can purchase you can you can <laughs> you could say if you, you drink you're underage. Oh no, I'm um I've went to rehab for heroin oh, uh, like a what? year ago. What? Okay, now this now we got into some call me Tim. <laughs> you really? What, for like pills, opiates or like shooting heroin? Uh smoking heroin. Smoking heroin. 
I thought that you couldn't over. Well, you didn't overdose. You don't you, over- you can't overdose from smoking heroin. You, True or false? Uh, you'd have to do a lot. So it's like it's safer. It's safer because what happened? What was the tailspin? It was. Uh, I don't know. I just. Um, it just got pretty bad to the point where like I was stealing, I was doing all that, and uh, eventually like. Uh, I all, I started shooting, and that's what got uh, my parents like. That's you can't like. There's needles here. What's going on? Right. Um, and then I went to rehab in L.A. and they had horses there. Horses. Oh, yeah, they, they have horses in rehab. That's cool. And uh, that, that was it. Was a cool. At first, I was like, "This sucks." And how did you sober. get into smoking heroin? You're so young. Uh, I really like mom's Vicodin and grandma's Oxy. Oh. <laughs> so it was the pills first, and then you couldn't keep stealing them from them because they noticed, and you didn't have any more to get, hmm. and you couldn't go to the doctor. I guess you could, but that's a, that's a hard scam. Yeah. And so what? You just walk on the streets of Fremont and buy. I mean, heroin? I had I knew a guy, and you then knew a guy. Hmm. Wow, wow! But you were like seventeen. Yeah. And what, I mean, what, what, what do you like about opiates? Like, is it, there's a specific feeling that you're just like, or what did you, were you running away from something that you decided to? Uh, you got to try it. No, I'm kidding. No, no, I, I don't like <laughs> I took a fentanyl patch once and I hated it. It was, uh, it was the worst, like 52 hours of my life. Transdermal patch, 25 milligrams. Yeah. It was awful. I threw up. It, I was yeah, like, laying yeah. with my cat. I was like, oh, this is stupid. I hate this. Yeah. I couldn't get anything done. My cat could tell when I'm on drugs and it's like, it made, it makes me sad, but. <laughs> so. Was there was there any was there something traumatic that happened to you that you like yeah. turned to drugs or you just I just really like it's really fun it's really fun <laughs> it's really good to you until it isn't wow that's so funny because my body I've just never liked opiates so mm. I and when I took that fentanyl patch and I ripped it off I hadn't even told my I was married at the time my husband at the time he's like that's what was wrong with you all weekend like, <laughs> yeah well what did we learn I'll never be a heroin addict what a great lesson to learn yeah wonderful and because I just I just don't like opiates but you know what I like benzodiazepines oh I love benzos I love all the Tupam family Valium like fucking diazepam lorazepam all the Pams Xanax was pretty popular in high school Xanny bars oh (laughs) man take a little half of that oof not have to worry about anything but that stuff I get but the the heroin I don't get so your parents started noticing it it was like a marked change in your behavior yeah, I'd sleep a lot, and uh, I'd sleep very good, and yeah. Was, yeah. We got, yeah, it got bad, and then they went to rehab, and now I did a couple of the, the NA meetings, and then I quit that. And We have an AA meeting here at the station. Really? Wednesday nights. Holy shit. Yeah, from 8 to 10. It's for artists specifically. Yeah. And we don't do it on the radio. We just I just yeah, let them yeah, use this sense. space. <laughs> well, I thought it would be great to do it live on the radio. I was like, that, be anonymous. Just do it. Why not? Do it on the radio. I think it could help a lot of people. But obviously, people are like, no. Yeah. But they, they've been doing them here. We have the chips up there. Oh, shit. Yeah. Huh. It's great. I think it's incredibly important. And I mean, I should, if, if I have the, the one thing that I would say, like, cause I understand the reason that you go to rehab or the reason that you seek help is when, uh, whatever you're taking or whatever you're doing, whatever behavior you're repeating is hindering the rest of your life in some way. And it's making it unmanageable. Yeah. And so for me, I drink a lot more than I should. And I know that and I've always been a big drinker and I love, mm. I love drinking. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I just love it. Um, and I should drink less, but 
uh, you know, it, it hasn't gotten in the way of my life because I've changed my life in order to make it a part of my life. Same thing with mm. the copious marijuana smoking. Yeah, like, there's some pe- functional people out there. Well, I don't have kids and I don't have a car. Perfect. So, like, <laughs> I can't get a DUI and I'm not going to ruin anybody's life. Like, yay! It just, it's so, so for me, I'm like, I can drink when I want to drink because I sort of changed my life to be able to do that. Now, is that kind of sad? Maybe. But, like, as a stand-up, everywhere I go... Yeah, if you're productive, like, there's you can't really knock... That, but although alcohol is the devil, like it's terrible. Mm. It can make me feel sick and yeah, and all that stuff. But heroin. So you feel good now. You feel clean. Do you still have like cravings? I never had the withdrawal because I wasn't that mm. often of a user. Okay, but um, yeah. heroin's heroin. But so right. But you you were like sort of like a responsible heroin user. Yeah, I was. I was very yeah. Functional. You were yeah. super functional. Yeah. But just once you start shooting it, your parents were like, uh uh-uh, uh, no, yeah. no, 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 not under our roof. That makes sense. But then you actually, rather than I've watched a lot of interventions, rather than being like, fuck you, I'm gonna go live on the street. You're like, yeah, I was very all right. I'll go to I'll go to fucking. So you got to be with horses. How long were you in for? Uh, forty six days. Wow. Wow, was it like summer camp? It wasn't like summer camp. It was it like summer camp? With they therapy? wake you up at like five a.m. to and then because just because there's so much stuff, and it was not great. Like the AA work meetings books? were huh? Like workbooks? Like they made you like what? Like schoolwork? Like a kind of? They made you they like they just like therapized you as much as possible, and then until you want to kill yourself, <laughs> and then but so then start write jokes about it. Yeah. yeah, and then at the end you go, yeah, that's I guess it worked, and then. You have like a plan after, and then I really liked some of the NA meetings that I went to. Like parts of it, I can't do it anymore just because like like the entire everything about NA. Like you gotta like they're like AA is the warm and fuzzy, NA is like the like you gotta do this. We're 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 um you gotta follow the steps. You gotta um not do anything calls before yeah right so. Um, Right. Oof. <laughs> AA is warm and fuzzy. Good. Well, we do AA here. So I guess I'm warm and fuzzy. Yay. I, I don't know. I don't think I have theories about that too. Or like, I think that marijuana is great for, for cessation of, um, a lot of different things. If you're yeah. drinking too much, smoke more weed. If you're doing, I mean, cause I don't know, I guess it's a drug like any other drug, but for some reason I'm totally okay with weed. I've yeah. never, have I met anybody who's like their life has been ruined totally by, ruined by marijuana? Huh. I don't know if I know anybody who's like I know a lot of productive, been, very productive people who smoke weed. Yeah. And um, smoke weed every day. Yeah. Every day. <laughs> I love that stuff. We have there's a little pile of it over there. We've got the bong. <laughs> but we'll finish up. You should tell jokes about about um, being in um, in rehab and stuff because you're so young. It, it could be such a good opener, like yeah. that you're like I'm 19. I've already been a heroin addict. <laughs> I think like one of them like like one of the jokes I have like that's the better ones that I go to like I try not to tell it anymore because I don't want to repeat jokes every no no repeat jokes that's how you get better yeah okay don't let anybody that's the thing oh don't think like oh they've heard this joke a thousand times fuck the comics you have to tell the joke in front of comics a thousand times before you get up in front of people and then that joke works because you've done it a thousand times in front of people that don't get they don't they're not listening anyway (laughs) they're thinking about their next joke don't worry about them yeah, I mean, it's just... Comedy secrets. <laughs> comedy secrets, yeah, just, and do it for you. Don't do it for the fucking comics in the room. Fuck them. Mm. I mean, sometimes I just run old jokes just because I have to, I haven't said them out loud in 
you know, three months. Uh, so you got to run like that. It. Yeah. That uh, call a booty, call a duty joke. I haven't said that out loud in like two months. Yeah. When so, did you write that one? Was it back when? Oh, you're... I would say I wrote that joke maybe four years ago. Yeah. Maybe five. It's about your ex-husband? No, no, no. My boyfriend, boyfriend. who I still have. Jonathan, okay. Got you. The yeah, cute yeah. blonde that I hang out with. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. He. And, and it, it must have been five years ago because he was in the other room on the, the small bed. I remember the whole thing. So it was a real story. It's Is he a comic? No. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. No. No, 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 no. No, he doesn't. Um, he doesn't get off on being in front of people. Uh-huh. He just, that doesn't. But he's a really good singer and he should be in a band because he's like really energetic and totally crazy and fun. But he just doesn't. That's just not his thing. Yeah, yeah. Which I appreciate because I wouldn't want to compete with anyone within my relationship mm. like <laughs> I, I did i dated a comic when i was starting comedy um but and that comic no longer does drummer comedian aaron barrett he only he's only a drummer now he doesn't do comedy anymore he he left he did five years of comedy and then he was like this, this isn't doing anything for me i'm yeah. a drummer <laughs> and, but he wrote great jokes he sold me all of his jokes for a beer which was amazing and i yeah. should do some of them because they're really funny um one of them he does a it's uh he does a little George 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 W Bush thing. He's like, oh, I'm back, I'm back, everybody. It's a, uh, you know, a lot of people think that uh, the presidential library in Crawford, Texas. A lot of people say George, uh, that's a that's a lot of space for one copy of Good Night Moon. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I got I gotta get out of here. I, I gotta get back. Gotta get back to the ranch. Laura Laura's making taquitos. That's, <laughs> that's Mexican for little taco. <laughs> like there's a whole George Bush thing that yeah. he used to do. But I didn't memorize his jokes enough, and I have them written down somewhere. And he's yeah, he but then for one beer, that's pretty good. For, I know. I was so stoked. And I, I, anytime he ever comes out for comedy, I try to do one of his jokes just to be like, look, I still have them in rotation. They're so good. <laughs> but yeah, he was, but it was hard dating him because he started comedy maybe three months after I started comedy. Mm. And so we were, I was constantly like competing with him. Like I'm the better guy. He, uh, he's shit. actually, he's a much, he's Are better. you a competitive person? I'm a really competitive, mm. but he's, he was a much better writer than I am. He wrote better jokes, but I was a better performer. So mm. whatever. Um, <laughs> Um, but he's still a great guy. We're still really good friends. And okay. um, yeah, it's fine. Go see Floating Goat. They're a great band. <laughs> but um, yeah, don't ever, I mean, I'm not going to say don't ever date a comedian. Hey, if you meet a nice little comedian girl, it could work out for you. Hmm. Do you, Are your parents funny about like, do they want you to marry um, an Indian girl? I feel like they kind of gave up on the whole like trying to keep the traditions of the once they move here they're like it's not they, it's kind of hard to keep all the traditions from the old from India sure yeah but my parents were arranged so really yeah and they're still married they are and do they love each other are they like or are they like really great roommates that share money I feel like they're really great roommates that share money mm. but like yeah it's, it's a nice I'm very close with them and That's they're great. great yeah but um yeah, arranged marriage has its flaws, and but it created me. So. Yeah, there you go. It's so cool. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you, I mean, you have such a. You said you you're only 19, and what are you gonna? But you have such a rich history already. Like you've got the whole. I mean, you see all the other the comic. Like you can use your race in your material. You mm. can use that all that. I mean, stories from rehab. I'm sure you have <laughs> like all kinds of just stuff like, but and horses. That's Horse. really cool. I actually, um, I was over by my cat. Um, so one of the horses, um, or we get 
like they're called equine so like you get uh, assigned a horse you don't get to ride them you just get to like communicate with them i guess the the teaching lesson is like communication with people huh. uh which i guess like which brings it back to like how animals can communicate right but right. um um one, so i was assigned a donkey oh. and i love that donkey i named him jesus because he had a black cross on his back cool so like jesus i don't know yeah and i called it jesus because like the mexican way is cooler but anyway uh after i came back from rehab that's how i met my cat and i call him my cat even though it's a neighbor's cat but then he hangs around our house but i like to call him my cat because i love him yeah (laughs) and uh i just uh, use that i named him jesus after the donkey because like that's my that's my animal that's my guy he's your spirit animal yeah and Zeus. that's cool <laughs> and uh but then his uh real name's oreo because he's black and white mm. but it's uh, yeah, pretty typical yeah. yeah but jesus hell yeah you gotta pray to that cat i think that cats are like the best today's actually the anniversary of my um cat spikes passing he Uh, died a year ago today may he forever live in the pantheon of cats he was great he was a great great cat he smoked so much weed too. (laughs) every time he'd hear you smoke on a pipe you'd hear you could actually call him by going (laughs) but if he heard the bong or he heard you smoking on a pipe or whatever he would come running out of wherever and like get right up in your face and be like ram yum yum my cat loves to lick my fingers after i like rip the weed and everything Hell he, likes yeah. a, he likes the taste of that and i don't know if he's that much of a fan of weed smoke but then he likes to you know lick my hand yeah cannabinoids when i i used to make my pot butter or pot oil and i'd squeeze it through these strainers whatever i have it all for my hands and i'd rub it on my legs and my cat he would lick my legs <laughs> because he wanted to get high <laughs> also it was butter but i i loved that cat it was great he was the best spikes spike mm. he was he's buried in the backyard in my apartment mm. so we're gonna visit him tonight and okay. probably cry and mm-hmm. bring him some offerings and stuff and it's so terrible because we buried him back there and i know his little bones are down there and it sucks so badly because i just like think about little zombie spike you gotta celebrate his life i know but i want to believe that he's actually in an afterlife Mm. because cats deserve more than humans yes (laughs) bad um let's see we're coming we're coming up to the end of it what other things do you want to share we've Uh, gone all the way around the horn life's a simulation don't do heroin (laughs) jesus is a better name for a cat or a donkey than for a savior (laughs) it's all it's all there it's your your parents are awesome. Clearly, your parents love you very much. That's great. Lucky you. Keep that up. Uh, I get. I mean, I guess you could go to San Francisco. You could go to SFS. Why don't you apply to Berkeley? Yeah, that's like the dream. I'm just going to send it for Berkeley. Just uh, Berkeley. Yeah. Like, that's like, if I get in. Because then like, you could live at home and you could go to Berkeley. And that's be so their, close. Yeah, just take the BART and come yeah. back. And, yeah. yeah, Ashby right there. Yeah. Perfect. But uh, that, that's the dream. So. Yeah, no, Berkeley's Berkeley's great school, and especially being a transfer student. What are your grades like? They're probably pretty good. They're decent, yeah. They're decent, mm-hmm. yeah. So I don't know. Write a really good essay. <laughs> yeah, because I know you don't want to go to you don't want to go to CSU Hayward. I mean, CSU East Bay. Yeah, East Bay. Is, it's eh, decent. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, the options. I'll figure it out. Yeah, I have a year. You have a year. Yeah, <laughs> just keep getting good grades and and computer sciencey stuff. Is that what your real? I mean, that'd be interesting to be to do computer science and make real money, and then just keep doing comedy. Yeah, that's the plan. Yeah, the money is wonderful. The, yeah, <laughs> no. How much? Well, how much money do you feel like you need a month to live? A month? Yeah. Since you don't pay rent, I'm just curious. I yeah. Um, I don't know. Eight. 
Like how much? I eat like McDonald's every day. Gross! So. You're really? so skinny though. What are you doing? I love McDonald's. Like I like I pack like one McDonald's every like that's all I eat. So <laughs> <laughs> for food, so that's like what uh, thirty times I don't know, like five or six. So wow. All you eat is McDonald's. That's funny. But like, it's yeah, very so sometimes they have different fast food restaurants. But uh, that that much, I guess, is my so 150, 150 bucks a yeah. month is plus your... like the expenses of taking the bar to do comedy. Oh right, that's right, 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 ridiculously that's expensive. Ri- yeah, it's it's that's why that's why I never go over to the East Bay. That's why I'm always in San Francisco. Is that I don't see the point in going over there for an open mic. And if I'm going over there for a show, I kind of need to be getting enough money for BART yeah. and maybe some drink tickets yeah. to make it worth my while. Because why would I leave the city? Why would I spend? It's hard for me. Like if I'm going to spend money to do comedy, I'm going to go to Portland. All right, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? I'm not going to go to fucking, you know, Oakland. Yeah, good. Like twenty bucks for like one show. And then that that's like, great. It was depressing because like it was the cost of the bar ticket. But <laughs> like two, you, but you like should see, you should have saved that money. I have my first ten dollars I made from comedy in a ah. in a um, in a frame. But you got you're a professional comedian. You got paid for ah. it, so you can say that you're a comedian. You got paid. You got paid twenty bucks. That's great. And you've only been doing it for six months, and you got a paid showcase. That's amazing. It that's incredible. Fun. You got to thank you. Hang your hat on that. That's like <laughs> seriously. If it's your first year of comedy and you were in something that was paid, that's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, never looked at it like that. Yeah, you're a comedian now. It's <laughs> the first time you get paid. And it was a all Indian show that they see comedy. Oh, right on. Night, I guess at Bar Fluxus, and I'm doing it again. Yay! It's June fifteenth. Is it? It's um, it's a hell of funny thing. Hella funny. They're great. Hella funny's great. Yeah. yeah. They're all really God bless Troy and <laughs> and Ahmed and fucking Allison Hooker. They're great. They're great. Um, that's great. I mean, sometimes I wish I had I wish I wasn't just an old white lady. I'm like, who's gonna when's someone gonna do an old white lady show? There's a bunch of us. There's Lauren Kraut, there's me. There's Natalie Fauzi. Uh, she would be mad if I if I said that she was old. Over forty. Whatever. There's a lot. Of, there's still. We're out there. Yay! It's like I, we're we're. I love old white moment. lady comedy. That's, yeah. Trying. <laughs> uh, leave the leave our audience with a joke. You want to tell them a joke? Uh, tell them a little bit of your set. Ooh. Do a little bit for the podcast. What is? Oh, this is my my go to when I can't think of anything. This is my uh, English is not my first language. I wanted to express to my friend. This is a true story. I wanted to express to my friend. Um, I enjoyed myself at your party. What I had said was, I pleasured myself at your party. <laughs> I like that joke. That's very funny. <laughs> Language is funny. So everybody can see you June 15th at Bar Fluxus. Uh-huh, yeah. And it's, um, how much is the ticket? Five, $5, $10 show? I think it's free. It's really? Like and then it just show. tips? I think so. Fuck yeah. Go <laughs> hella funny. Making it accessible for everybody. Uh, that's awesome. And we'll have you on, aren't you, you're hosting... Am I hosting? Or didn't I put you on the thing? I don't remember. Uh, I, I booked people so fast for that happy hour. I yeah, I saw it fill up really fast. Yeah, It fills up so fast. <laughs> but I'm just like, fucking great. Yay. Um, hey, everybody. Life's a simulation. Go out there and uh, read a book. Talk to somebody. Try to try to see if they're real or not. Poke somebody. <laughs> yeah, don't, do that. don't touch people without consent. Don't do that. Don't do that. But, you know, go interact with somebody. And yeah. It's cool. And go see Roll Stewart Hardson at Bar Fluxus on June 15th. That's a Saturday night show. That's a fucking badass show. It's fun. That's amazing. That's a great That's a great booking. A Saturday night, you're doing comedy. You're a real comedian. Yay! Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, have fun at school. Good luck. 
this week with whatever you do with all oh you're done it's summertime it is but i'm taking summer classes oh what are you taking this summer uh what am i taking i'm taking linear algebra oh goodness and like a couple ge classes okay yeah linear (laughs) algebra is that like is that like vectors yeah yeah (laughs) it's crazy that's like uh fucking pretty much almost calculus yeah kind of basically yeah. it's like a vector calculus i guess yeah that, I, that's that's when i that's when i got lost <laughs> that's when i changed my major and went to like i think i'm gonna take physics for poets <laughs> like, I, I want to get in like graphics and stuff and it's good for graphics and like sure. being that kind of thing mm. are you gonna design video games someday is that the goal not really just like vr is my dream vr yeah simulation simulation <laughs> i get it i get it simulation sweet well thanks so much uh we'll see you on the 15th bar fluxes thanks everybody for listening to some call me tim i'm going to uh the second hour here we'll just play some flat black plastic because i love flat black plastic and please come out this friday to pamtastic's comedy clubhouse every friday it's a great show it's only 10 bucks and this this week is a really weird lineup because it's all bald dudes so and and a crazy cat loving feminist so thank you so much for being here and we're gonna thank you. do this kind of jazzy stuff da, la, 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 la. I'm being unprofessional I'm so unprofessional it's special Tuesday afternoon. Never ending in doubt Every confrontation
decided to use it as an authentic model for a modern replica. In 1973, scale drawings were executed by Mr. Fred Dungey of the British Museum staff under the auspices of Dr. Richard Barnett. The lyre was built in Berkeley by Robert R. Brown. The frame of the lyre, which measures three and a half feet by three feet, is of red birch, while the sounding box is of spruce. Crocker has strung the lyre with gut strings and has made oaken tuning pegs of the kind shown in ancient pictures. Each string is wrapped around the upper crossbar and the peg, which is used as a lever to tighten or loosen the string, turns around the crossbar. The strings descend about three feet from the upper crossbar over a fixed bridge on one side of the sounding box to the base, underneath which they are attached. The common shape of the sounding boxes of Sumerian lyres is a stylized rendering of a bull's body with its head at the front. While some lyres have bearded bull's heads, the silver lyre's head is beardless. Sumerian Too lyres long. are not ideally suited for a song to stop Oh, 
the part of this song you got to watch, ladies and gentlemen. We do a little gimmick right here, and it goes something like this. One time I loved you. Two times I loved you, honey. Three times I really loved you, baby. Four times I really loved you now, honey. Five times the good Lord knows that I loved you. Six times, oh man, how I love you. Seven times, darling, you know that I love you. Eight times, oh man, how I love you now. Nine times, I really love you. Ten times, I really love you. Flat Black Plastic, this is for all the folks up in Napa.
say it's true I had a rendezvous with somebody new It's the only one I ever had Baby, baby, don't you go away mad Cheating shows and it never goes You've got a reason to be mad, I suppose For he was only just a passing fat Baby, baby, don't you go away mad His kind's a dime a dozen That's not the kind I want Who'd ever thought your cousin Would be sitting there in that restaurant I must admit that you feel upset What do you say that we forgive and forget Come and kiss me just to prove you're glad Baby, baby, don't you go away mad Don't be mad, don't be mad Baby Thank <laughs> you. 
here. I hope this won't, uh, I just want to explain what all these mics for. I don't want to do an imitation of the president, and I don't have Jim Haggerty here, so uh, I have Sherman Adams, though, in the back. At any rate, Sherman Adams, no, the president and, uh, and Sherman Adams, and Arthur Godfrey and Tony Marvin. It kind of works out that way. Anyway, we're making records here, and this cable goes back, and the recording engineer is Herbert Philbrick, whom you may know. Now, uh, I want to, uh, before I dig the brick wall, I'm still a bohemian. I don't want any of you to think that I sold out. And uh, the generation is now in style, isn't it? The beat generation. Anyway, I wanted to mention here, before we go any farther, that President Eisenhower is going to run for a third term. And I thought that should take precedence over homecoming speeches and all things like that. And uh, he made a speech last night, which got a, a seven on NBC. It says, right? And, um, and, on the, and Zorro got an 18. Well, anyway, so President Eisenhower is going to run for a third term, and in the meantime, or at least he said he would, Vice President Nixon has his hand on the switch. And uh, I was in the East when the president got sick, and Vice President Nixon moved in and started appearing on all these magazines, and he sort of came of age here at the end of the year. And uh, he's right, and he got his glasses, he got those new glasses and all, and uh, he was brought iron frames, right? Remember those? So, Anyway, President Eisenhower and, uh, was depending on Vice President Nixon to keep his hand on the throttle. And he was, uh, he, sort of, he was on all these magazines like Time and Things Making Life. And almost every magazine, with the exception of True, which has a hidden significance, which I'm not going anyway, so, so, anyway, by, <laughs> neutral colors. So at any rate, the Vice President Nixon, as you know, is supposed to go to the NATO meeting. Uh, there, anyway, he's, he's in charge of calling eggheads back, that's what it says here. For the administration. So, uh, several eggheads have been called back, including Dr. Oppenheimer, who was granted amnesty this week. And, uh, and he is taking a quick course in German, so he may join the others defending our country, right? So, 